The Water Values Podcast, Session 144. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining me. Got a great show for you today. We have Todd Danielson, the Chief Utilities Executive at Avon Lake Regional Water in uh, northern Ohio on the shores of Lake Erie there. Uh, he's the perfect guest for the week in which uh, World Water Day occurs. World Water Day, obviously, uh, Friday, March 22nd this year. Uh, so Todd is going to talk to us about some great things, some great things happening up in uh, north central Ohio. And, you know, one of the unexpected things that came out of this interview was uh, Todd's revelation about, you know, kind of looking into there's nothing set in stone yet, obviously, uh, but looking into a water quality trading program uh, to deal with non-point source uh uh, pollution sources like uh, phosphorus and nitrogen. So uh, really interesting stuff that's going to come up in the context of this interview. And Todd, Todd, as he always does, does a great job. Uh, so that's coming up. But before we get to it, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we picked up another five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much to whoever did that. There was no review, but I really appreciate uh, the the five star rating. If you have been listening to the podcast, and I know there's a lot of you that listen that have not uh, yet rated and reviewed the podcast, would greatly appreciate it if you've been enjoying it to just give it a rating and a review that really helps others find out about the podcast, tells people why you think uh, the Water Values Podcast is a great podcast to listen to. Uh, also, if you want to financially support the podcast to you know kind of keep the water flowing, so to speak, uh, you can do so by going to thewatervalues.com. You scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side of the page. Uh, there's a little yellow PayPal button. Click on that. And denominations uh, in any or uh, donations in any denomination are greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Todd, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. Thanks so much for coming back on. How you been? Oh, David, I've been very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's uh, World Water Day is just a couple days away. Uh, and who better to speak with than a guy who runs a utility on Lake Erie, right? Uh, and with the, the previous time you were on, Todd, we, we didn't, it was a panel discussion, so we really didn't get into kind of backgrounds and how you got interested in water. And that's kind of one of the, the things I like to find out about folks. And so could you please uh, give us kind of a, a, just a quick summary of your background and, and how you found yourself in the position you're in. Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in Maine, and growing up in Maine, living on lakes, uh, I mean, water was just all around me. And, you know, when we were hiking in the woods and things like that, uh, my family, my mother especially, used to always say, you know, if it's clear, fast-flowing water, you could drink it in, in the streams. Uh, so uh, whether, whether or not that was true, I don't know, but I always did drink it, and, <laughs> and I never got sick. Yeah. Um, but, but water was just kind of a fundamental basis of, of, of how I grew up. And, um, you know, in high school, my, my I, we didn't really have a lot with respect to uh, career guidance back then. So my chemistry teacher in high school said, oh, you like math, you like science, you like to be outside, you, you should be a civil engineer. So I said, sure, I'll try it. <laughs> and then as I was doing um, you know, in school for civil engineering, um, a good friend of mine said, oh, you should be in the environmental sector. It's, you know, there's always going to be a need, you know, for the environment. So, so um, I guess it just naturally fit for me as I had grown up around water and, and being outside and just loving, you know, nature. 
Yeah, yeah, and and so, uh, can you tell us a little about what you're doing now? How, where did where did that kind of interest in kind of the environmental side of engineering? Where did that lead you? Sure. Well, I started out as a consultant um, and had a great time doing it. Um, did a lot of actually international work, going to uh, um, countries like Brazil and China and Thailand and all over the place. And it was a great experience. Um, but it just it was really rough for you know family life. Um, but I'd always had kind of a, a public service mindset and thought about I should try to get into the utility sector. And I did. Uh, worked for about a decade for uh, in Northern Virginia for Loudon Water. Uh, great experience, learned a lot, you know, dealing with the Chesapeake Bay watershed issues and a lot of growth issues and how um, how uh, water and wastewater relate to uh, growth is, is, you know, definitely a deep topic. Um, but I wanted to have a, a little bit more of a chance uh, for impact, uh, positive impact in uh, in this world and especially here in the United States. And this opportunity came up um, literally, like you said, right on Lake Erie. And, um, you know, for a person that, that's, you know, uh, part of water and, and, you know, my Twitter handle says, you know, my, my blood type is H2O positive. Um, I definitely thought the idea of, of living on Lake Erie and, uh, and being involved in, in that was just a, a great opportunity. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned your Twitter handle, and you are a prolific tweeter, and uh, it, it, that's kind of that's kind of why I thought you'd be a perfect guest for uh, the 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 week in which World Water Day is occurring because uh, you're out there, you're a very uh, prominent figure uh, on social media and at, at at conferences and in professional organizations and things like that. So I think you're, you're the great a great guest to have, especially. When World Water Day is all about freshwater resources, and you sit on the shores of one of the largest freshwater resources in the world, and so let's dig into um, let's dig into the you know that that kind of stuff uh, right off the bat. You know, if you're right on the shores of Lake Erie, running a water utility, it's got to be easy, right? So, you know, what what are the challenges that you're facing as a utility on the shores of Lake Erie? Well, you are definitely correct that the idea of, of capacity and, and the volume of water that we need, you never have to worry about that. I mean, Lake Erie has something like, I don't know, six quadrillion gallons of water or something. <laughs> I mean, it's some gigantic number. Um, so we, uh, Avon Lake Regional Water, we've been in this great situation where um, Avon Lake, we built our plant. We're coming up on 100 years. It's 1926 when our water plant was built. And um, starting in the early 50s, other utilities or other, sorry, jurisdictions started asking, could they buy water from us? You know, it's just like the whole uh, real estate thing, location, location, location. And uh, and so starting in the 50s, we, we began providing water to others. And today we're providing 85% of the water we produce goes outside of city limits. So um, the economy of scale is just absolutely incredible. Our city is only 24,000 people, um, but our water plant is a 50 million gallon per day water plant. Um, so it, we, we have a great opportunity here. Uh, but you are correct that there are things we need to be concerned about. And, and um, you know, uh, you know, the, the nutrient issue in Lake Erie is, is, you know, the Chesapeake Bay was the big one a number of years ago, and, and Lake Erie is, is you know, it, it surfaced again as, as an issue. Um, but I think it's actually uh, something we can handle uh, because technology has advanced so much, and I think there's so much um, more awareness and understanding that 
Um, it, they're saying that, that there needs to be about a 40% reduction in phosphorus in Lake Erie. Uh, people are also realizing that nitrogen is becoming an issue too, um, but I think it's doable. I think we can uh, approach it, and I, I think there are great ways that we can do that. Okay, well, that's that, there's a lot of stuff you identified in there. Let's let's kind of go uh, piece by piece. The first the first thing you started off with was, um, uh, and, and this may not be a challenge necessarily, but collaboration uh, and and selling all that water and that that at least in my mind, one of the things that is big is. Uh, making sure that your distribution and the the you know all the lines that get that water out, uh, you know you've got a big system to to manage. Uh, are you are there any challenges specific with you know besides just contract maintenance? Yeah, I think you know the some of the most important things to to think about is um, we have uh, we distribute water. Now, we are a bulk water provider um, outside of our city limits. Um, so we distribute water over a 680-square-mile area when you look at our bulk customer's service area. And what that means is that um, this water can be in the pipes for a number of days. So uh, the quality of water that we produce has to be very high. Uh, we, we have to, for instance, get out um, you know, as much organic material as we can uh, so that the, the disinfection byproducts um, are not a problem way down at the farthest re- reaches of our bulk customers' um, distribution areas. Yeah, and, and so uh, in, in terms of you know disinfect, disinfection byproducts, uh, so, so can you uh, this, just kind of curious because I've dealt with this issue a little bit um, in a in a wholesale relationship, but uh, what, what are you what, once you sell the water, aren't you just kind of out of the picture, or do you still maintain liability uh, even after you sold the water for for the disinfection levels? So. Uh, we are not uh, really liable in, in that respect right now, but interestingly, um, Ohio EPA is considering um, updating their disinfection byproduct regulations that might set some sort of a limit, um, some, some percentage of, of the, you know, the federal numbers for where, uh, what, the, what the disinfection byproduct levels must be leaving our system and getting into our, our bulk um, customer systems. We're, we're trying to work through that because, as you may or may not know, there, there are definitely a lot of ways you can deal with disinfection byproducts. Um, what we do, obviously, is we're trying to get the uh, organic level down as low as possible and not to put too much chlorine into um, the system where we start. You know, the, the idea of, of, of boosting the chlorine as it's getting into our customers Customer systems, letting them actually, I should say, boost their, their chlorine uh, is is a better way for them, for all of us, really, to better manage those disinfection byproducts. Right, right, and, and you know, as as you were talking, my mind is spinning trying to go back through the facts of everything I've uh, I've learned uh, before on these disinfection byproducts issues. Um, but I, I, so you've you've indicated chlorine. I know because you're wholesale, and I assume you're the people you're the customers you're selling to. Uh, you are their sole source of supply. For the most part, okay. um, you know, we have um, 
We have about, I think it's seven customers. Uh, and two of our customers have um, supplies. Actually, no, three. Three of our customers have supplies from both sides, from, from us as well as from a different utility. So there is some sort of a, a mixing zone for at least one of those uh, others. I think the others isolate their waters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big issue because one of the things I dealt with a long time ago was one. You there there was a utility that took water from multiple providers, and and when they were kind of creating a new interconnect, one of you know some of the providers were chlorine and others were chloramine, and that caused some problems uh, within the system. And so, uh, the the whole disinfection byproducts thing. I didn't think we'd get in. I I, I didn't really think we'd get into that today, but it's. Uh, it's it's spurring some interesting thoughts in my mind. Um, so le- so let's kind of take down the next one of the next things you talked about uh, was water quality in Lake Erie. You mentioned the, kind of the algal blooms, the phosphorus levels. It said nitrogen's becoming a problem. Uh, what, how, how are you addressing those types of challenges? Sure. Well, a couple of years ago, um, when when the governor of Ohio. Uh, signed the agreement with Michigan and Ontario stating that they would have the target of a 40 percent phosphorus uh, yeah phosphorus reduction in Lake Erie uh, and that's that's pretty much standard uh, knowledge a lot of uh, broad agreement that to help uh, reduce the the uh, algal blooms in Lake Erie, we need to do a 40% reduction. Um, now, there, there's a lot of information showing that um, most of it's non-point source. Uh, some of the data was was saying that over 60% of the phosphorus getting into Lake Erie is from um, croplands um, in the watershed. And then, of course, you've got other, you know, ag type of sources, you know, uh, you know, the feeding operations and whatever else. Um, and you know the actual utility or you know uh, component is rather small, whether it's combined sewer overflows or um, discharges from point sources such as our treatment plants. We back in 2004 agreed with Ohio EPA that we would completely separate our combined sewers by the end of this year, by the end of 2019, and we are on track to do that. Uh, there's a little bit more work we're going to need to do to help um, get rid of some of the wet weather influences on our uh, collection system to to help fully prevent overflows here in um, Avon Lake. But it's that's definitely uh, a lot of the work we've been doing. But uh, one of the things that uh, I've been trying to push, and I, this is probably something I was originally going to talk about later, but um, you know, I strongly believe, and I'm trying to push uh, this concept. I think um, um, our board, uh, we, we're governed by a board of municipal utilities, and our board likes this idea is what if water utilities helped to take the lead at um, source water protection um, on Lake Erie? Because um, there was a study done, um, the, the, the IJC, the International Joint Commission, um, had done a study, and um, there's a, a large majority of people that are willing to pay more uh, for better protection of the Great Lakes. So what if uh, water utilities put a little bit of, of um, their rate money, so maybe they raise the rates a little bit, uh, put a little bit of that rate money towards um, source water protection because there are a lot of uh, organizations that are trying to do uh, push the idea of, uh, water quality trading. So if we were to buy uh, 
water quality credits to help with best management practices on farm fields and other areas like that, uh, we could could significantly improve the quality of uh, Lake Erie specifically for me. But we could, uh, but there are other areas, you know, whether it's the Ohio River Basin or you know nationally, other places could do it as well. Uh, but what if we took that lead and helped to improve our source waters, which would reduce, of course, our treatment expenses, but would also reduce the risk to us for there to be issues. So that's part of what we are trying to investigate. And I think there's actually a lot of interest in trying to move that forward if we could collaboratively uh, work together on that. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I think um, I know I know it's in the investigatory stages. Have, is there any thoughts uh, in terms of, you know, what the scale is or, 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 you know, how soon that can be implemented or just can you can you put some more meat on those bones? Yeah. Um, so. Essentially, this is this is something that we, uh, Avon Lake Regional Water, we've been talking a little bit about off and on for a couple of years now, uh, especially after um, you know all the incidents that have happened here on Lake Erie. Um, you know, we started to say, well, what if we were to do that? What if we were to to try to help improve um, the quality? Um, so we've we've pulled together some numbers, and it's. The concept is um, Lake Erie water utilities withdraw something like, oh goodness, is it a, it's like 150 billion gallons of water a year from Lake Erie for drinking water purposes and, and you know, use and whatever else. And so the, the question is, well, what if we, as water utilities, were to put, oh, two cents per thousand gallons, five cents per thousand gallons, something like that, um, into, into let, let's call it a 501c3 or some sort of a, a, an organization that we are collecting that money. Um, that could could garner anywhere on the order of uh, two to seven million dollars a year um, for source water protection. And with recent things like the farm bill uh, that that talk about uh, a certain amount of money needing to go towards uh, source water protection, there would be ways that we could potentially leverage that two to seven million into four to fourteen million. Um, and now, all of a sudden, let's say that we've got you know as much as fourteen million dollars. Um, there are uh, organizations. The Great Lakes Commission, for instance, has a pilot program called Erie P, and Erie P uh, is this whole uh, best management practices. They're buying phosphorus credits um, in in the you know somewhere outside of the western basin of uh, Lake Erie, and you know their rate is like thirty dollars a pound for phosphorus. And, and I don't know how that's going to compare to others, but I ran with those numbers. And when you run with those numbers, and you're talking on this order of four to fourteen million dollars, you can start to remove, you know, five hundred tons or, or more of phosphorus a year. And um, as you start to remove, you know, that amount of phosphorus, you actually could start affecting, uh, especially if you're removing it at the right times of the year, because um, it's actually 500 was like the low number, and it could get up as, as more like 1,500 if I remember my numbers correctly. But anyway, you, you actually start to address um, the amount of phosphorus that could 
uh, you know, be the balance of, of whether you have a harmful algal bloom that year. Um, or uh, what matters for us here in the central basin of, of Lake Erie is hypoxia. So, you know, you have these big algal blooms in the western basin. Um, then the algae has to die somewhere. <laughs> uh, and it dies, and it, it goes down to the bottom uh, of, of uh, the central basin for us, and then we get the dead zone issues. Uh, and that's what really typically uh, affects us even more. Um, so if we could try to work together, we actually could start to turn the corner. And then if we could then maybe even you know, interest others, like the state of Ohio, to maybe match money with water utilities or something like that, um, you know, I don't know if we'll get to that 40% reduction, but we could start to go a long way to, toward getting um, the phosphorus levels down in Lake Erie. Yeah, so that, that, that sounds like a, a fascinating program. I I can't wait to see how it turns out. Uh, I, I am kind of curious, though. I have, have you seen the NPR series on kind of the, the rate issues in the Midwest? Yes. Um, and, and so when you're talking about rates, affordability is always going to be an issue. And so... Um, uh, you know, creating this fund through ratepayer dollars. Uh, I mean, would would you do you think there's a component or something in there for kind of an affordability uh, a piece to maybe exempt kind of the lower income folks or have them pay a lower share or is has has there been any thoughts on that? You know, David, you bring up a great question, and I would let's link that in a couple of different ways. Uh, look at what Toledo just did um, the end of last month, where they they basically put a bill of rights. You know, they, they gave you know um, uh, Lake Erie a voice to 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 say that people could sue on the behalf of Lake Erie, and, and Lake Erie protection is important. So. Um, you know, places like Toledo are, are saying, yeah, you know what, rates are an issue, but we also need to protect Lake Erie. Uh, so I think there is a there is that part of it that's important. I think the other part of it that's important is that um, not only water utilities, but governments in general need to start understanding the importance and the value um, that water utilities provide. Uh, and what I mean by that, and it's not just that what water utilities provide, but it's also, you know, what we have for a resource here. You know, why is there this rate issue here in uh, in some of the Midwest? It's because, in one sense, it's because of a, a bunch of idle infrastructure that we have invested uh, a whole bunch, you know, millions, billions of dollars in this infrastructure. And as we had, you know, the industry's leave over the, these you know, last couple of decades, we have idle infrastructure that we have to maintain. Uh, and that's hurting those, uh, those customers that are most at risk um, because they have to help maintain, they have to help you know, provide their, their, their water bill payments so that the utilities can maintain that infrastructure. But if we look at water utilities and this, this available infrastructure as an economic benefit, not an economic liability, and we can start to promote that. I mean, think about uh, as as these these weather extremes are getting stronger and stronger, and they're getting to be you know worse droughts in other areas. 
um, I think that's going to lead to industry moving back to the Great Lakes region. I think, you know, the rust belt is going to become the blue belt. And I don't mean blue from a, from a you know, Democrat versus Republican standpoint. I mean blue from a water <laughs> standpoint uh, because we have the water and we also have the infrastructure. And if I think industry starts to see that, um, water risk is becoming bigger and bigger. And if you start to look at those annual reports that some of these major multinational companies uh, put out, they, they do talk about water risk. And I don't just mean Coke and Pepsi. I mean Ford. I mean the semiconductor industry. I mean all of these different areas. They're, they're starting to say, you know, water is important because if we don't have water, we can't produce. And if we can't produce, we can't make money. We're, we're not going to stay in existence. That's right. I, I am on board with that. And, and, you know, I just spoke with Anthony Curry recently, uh, and had him on and he talked and addressed that, that water risk issue. And, you know, his, the, one of the big examples he gave was Ray Bestas with it said some incredible percentage of their revenue is at stake if, if the Colorado River dries up. Um, and so I, I, I agree that, that water is going to become an even bigger component, more, um, uh, you know, one of the, kind of the, the foundations of, of what business decisions are made on uh, as we go into the future. Um, so I, I'm with you there. Idle infrastructure, that's something that uh, I haven't heard a lot about. Uh, typically, you hear about kind of aging infrastructure, and in, in, the, in the Midwest, at least, you, you kind of think, well, the infrastructure is old. It's coming up on a century and things like that, and so it's starting to fail, and, and that's what's causing the issues. But, but it sounds like there's another piece of that, which is the idle infrastructure, the overbuilt infrastructure. Uh, yeah. Now, we are directly beside Cleveland, uh, and so Cleveland is our water utility to the east, then it's us, and then to our west you have um, Elyria and Lorraine, um, and Cleveland has a capacity of well over 400 million gallons a day. I think it's something like 440 or 450 million gallons a day of capacity. Um, but they, uh, because of the changes that have happened around here, they're only pumping out, you know, about half of that, about 200 and something million gallons. So they have all of this idle capacity that they could use and they could supply industry. And you know, we have idle capacity too, to some level, not not to you know those quantities, um, but you know, unlike, uh, well, but we also have, uh, of course, a bunch of available area, and if uh, some of the things we would like to do um, is we'd like to look at the idea of, I mean, even though we have this water directly to our north, you know, six quadrillion gallons or whatever that is, uh, what if we were to, to start reusing uh, water, you know, so reclaimed water, and maybe it could be for um, greenhouses or, or something like that. I mean, let, let's, let's talk about back in the 70s, back before the oil embargo and, and, and all of the oil prices, this area of the Midwest uh, was actually one of the greenhouse capitals of the world, um, and a whole bunch of, of agriculture was produced here, you know, hothouse tomatoes and all these other things. Um, and um, the, the, the Cleveland area, we're within 500 miles of half of the population of the United States. So if we were to be able to get, you know, to, to rebuild this, uh, this greenhouse type of sector where we could be producing um, agriculture, um, you know, whether it's tomatoes or or strawberries or, or kale and all these other leafy greens and stuff like that, um, you know, the, the, the idea of farm to table is, is, you know, certainly regrowing. And if we could start to do that, push that out, 
uh, you could get a lot of, of um, food out, you know, to others within, you know, a, a day or less in much more economical means than having to fly it from California or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, a, a lot of the, it's going to be interesting how the water rights debate shapes up in the West and how that impacts the industries you're talking about, right? Because, you know, if, if the, you know, if, if cities start buying the ag rights for, for water rights out West, then that, that food still needs to be produced, right? And that may be moving to, to your neck of the woods. So it, it's, it's interesting how we're, we're all interconnected. Um, uh, so we, we, you've been great. We've talked a lot about a, a lot of fascinating things and, and I know that you're working on a strategic plan. I think you hinted at it earlier when you, you were kind of talking about uh, the, the kind of the phosphorus trading and the, the water quality trading. Uh, what does, what does, what are the kind of the big components of the strategic plan you're working on? What, you know, what do you, what are the big issues for you there? Well, for us, you know, we have you know five major initiatives: water supply, resiliency, and reliability is a big one for us, um, and you know that relates to anything from you know cybersecurity to asset management. Of course, asset management we have a regulation here in Ohio about things like that. Um, but water resource protection, you know, that's either the Lake Erie stuff that we were talking about with respect to source water protection, uh, our finishing up our combined sewer separations, things like that. Um, but then, you know, we were just talking a little bit about. Um, um, this idea of revenue diversification. Um, if, you know, maybe we can help to bring in industry, um, but also just finding new revenue sources. We're about to start a master plan right now with respect to our residuals uh, and, you know, gas production maybe or what, whatever else. I mean, you know, the idea of if we can produce um, a, a biogas that we either sell into the system or maybe we just work, you know, within our own city and, and we provide it to the school system to help reduce the cost for busing or, or other things things like that. Um, so we want to look at, at how we can diversify our revenues because we have, we're a small utility. Um, uh, we have 40 people that work for us. Um, our, our wastewater, our water reclamation facility is, is only about a 5 million gallon a day plant right now. Um, but we've tripled our debt service in the last uh, six years to finish off these sewer separations and rehabilitate our facilities and things. So we have a lot of rate increases that we're dealing with. So if we can figure out ways to get other revenue sources in so that our customers, going back to what you are saying before, so that our customers do not, um, you know, feel as much of a burden on the rates, that's a big thing for us. Um, so we want to, you know, do that. We want to continuously improve, and we want to definitely work with our customers to help them and us collaboratively understand the value of water. Yeah, terrific. So, uh, Todd, you've been great. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I, you know, I learned something from every guest, and I've, that's certainly been the case with you. Uh, are there any? Is there any final messages you'd like to to leave our listeners with? Uh, you know, what have I haven't? What haven't I asked that you think is important? Um, I think the most important thing to me right now is this is a, a perfect time to be in the water sector. I, I think the public is sensitized and they care about water. I think utilities are getting much more unified and, and better at the, the whole value of water messaging. There's so many advancements right now in the sector, ranging from monitoring and artificial intelligence to nutrient and energy recovery. But I think the most important part is there's been a collective change in the mindset. You know, we're no longer thinking of this kind of this single-purpose entity, but we're thinking much more that we're, we are – 
not only an environmental organization, um, but we are almost an environmental business, and we need to look at at how can we um, you know, provide many more uh, opportunities and resources to our customers, um, and and you know make the world a better place. Yeah, terrific. I, I, I'm I'm all in on that that vision that you just laid out. So, um, for, you know, again, Todd, you've been great. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day. Uh, for those folks who want to find out more about you, more about Avon Lake uh, Regional Water, where can they go to get that information? So Avon Lake Regional Water, we definitely, we, we've got a website like everybody else, and it's just avonlakewater.org. Uh, we do uh, do some on Twitter, uh, but uh, not as much as we had been doing on Twitter. We also have a Facebook account and, you know, YouTube and all those other types of things, Instagram. Um, so you can definitely search for us on, on the variety of social media work uh, because I think Avon Lake Regional Water, we're going somewhere. We're trying to, to make a difference in this industry, and, and I, I, hope that, uh, I hope that we have a lot of partners in doing that yeah well thank you very much for your leadership uh todd you've been you know you you are one of the people out there that that uh, at least to me you're are very visible uh and and really trying to put push the industry forward so thank you for your leadership on those on those points well dave it's been great speaking with you i think it's a, a very important week world water week and i think that uh i'm really excited where this sector is going and how we all are working together to uh, to improve uh, you know what we're providing for our our customers and for the citizens of this world uh, as well as uh, for the environment. Awesome, thank you so much, Todd. We'll talk to you soon. Great talking with you. Take care. And you too. Bye. Bye. Well, hope you enjoyed that interview with Todd Danielson. As I indicated at the top show, great, great interview, and I hope you that that water quality trading idea he had I thought was really interesting. Um, I thought the concept of idle infrastructure, that is something that, as I indicated during the interview, I hadn't heard before, at least I haven't heard very much. Uh, and so it was great for, for Todd to come on and uh, share some of his knowledge with us. And Todd, we really appreciate it. I'd love to hear what you thought about the interview with Todd. Please leave a comment on the show notes. You can find those show notes at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one four four. You can leave a comment on those show notes, or you can email me at david at com. You can also tweet at me. My handle is at DTM1993. You can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And as I indicated earlier, please do me a favor. Please rate and review the podcast on whatever podcast directory you're listening on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, you know, TuneIn, whatever you're listening on, please go ahead and... Uh, just click that five stars and tell people why you think it's a great podcast. And in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney client relationship with you or with anyone else 
Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.